0: PROLOGUE AND CHAPTER ONE OF THE WAY OF THE WIND BY ZOE ANDERSON NORRIS THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY ROGER MALINE THE WAY OF THE WIND BY ZOE ANDERSON NORRIS PROLOGUE AND CHAPTER ONE prologue and as the sturdy pilgrim fathers cut their perilous way through the dense and dangerous depths of the forest primeval for the setting up of their hearthstones so the courageous pioneers of the desolate and treeless west were forced to fight the fury of the winds the graves of them lie mounded here and there in the uncultivated corners of the fields though more often one wanders across the level country looking for them in the places where they should be and are not because of the tall and waving corn that covers the length and breadth of the land and yet the dead are not without memorial each steady stalk is a plumed standard of pioneer conquest and through its palmy leaves the chastened wind remorsefully sighs requiems chanting whispering moaning and sighing from balmy springtime on through the heat of the long summer days, until in the frost the farmers cutting the stalks and stacking them evenly about in the semblance of long-departed teepees, leave no dangling blades to sigh through nor tassels to flout. The Author Chapter One looking back upon it the little kentucky town seemed to blossom for celia like the rose one broad expanse of sloping lawns bordered with flower beds and shaded by quiet trees elms and maples brightly green with young leaflets and dark with cedars and pines as it was on the day when she stood in the vine-covered veranda of her mother's home surrounded by friends come to say good-bye Jane Whitcomb kissed her cheek as she tied the strings of her big poke bonnet under her chin. "'I hope you'll be happy out there, Celia,' she said. "'But if it was me and I had to go, I wouldn't. You couldn't get me to take such risks. Wild horses couldn't. All them what wants to go west to grow up with the country can go, but the South is plenty good enough for me.' "'For me, too.' sighed Celia, homesickness full upon her with the parting hour. "'It's Seth makes me go. According to him, the West is the future country. He has found a place where they are going to build a magic city,' he says. "'He's going to make a fortune for me out there,' he says, in the West." "'Growing up with the country,' interrupted Sarah Simpson, tying a bouquet of flowers she had brought for Celia, with a narrow ribbon of delicate blue. "'Yes,' admitted Celia. "'Growin' up with the country.' Sarah handed her the flowers. "'It's my opinion,' concluded she, "'that it's the fools, beggin' your pardon, what's goin' out there to grow up with the country, and the wise people what's stayin' at home and advisin' of em to go.' Celia shuddered. "'I'm half afraid to go.' she said. "'They say the wind blows all the time out there. They say it never quits blowin.' "'Tain't like as if you was goin' to be alone out there,' comforted Mansie Storm, who was busy putting away a little cake she had made with her own hands for Celia's lunch basket. "'Your husband will be out there?' She closed the lid down and raised her head brightly. "'What difference does it make?' she asked, how hard the wind blows if you got your husband. Lucy Brown flipped a speck of dust from the hem of Celia's traveling dress. Yes, said she, and such a husband. Celia looked wistfully out over the calm and quiet street, basking in the sunlight, peacefully minus a ripple of breeze to break the beauty of it, her large eyes sad. I'M AFRAID OF THE WIND, SHE COMPLAINED. STORMS SCARE ME. AND SHE REITERATED, I'M AFRAID OF THE WIND. SARAH SUDDENLY RAN DOWN THE WALK ON EITHER SIDE OF WHICH BLOSSOMED OLD-FASHIONED FLOWERS, MARSH MARIGOLDS, JOHNNY JUMP-UPS, AND BROWN-EYED SUSANS. SHE STOOD AT THE FRONT GATE, WHICH SWUNG ON ITS HINGES, LEANING OVER IT, LOOKING DOWN THE ROAD. "'I thought I heard the stage,' she called back. "'Yes, sure enough. Here it is, coming.' At that, Celia's mother, hurrying fearfully out the door, threw her arms around her. Celia fell to sobbing. "'It's so far away,' she stammered brokenly between her sobs. "'I'm afraid to go. It's so far away.' "'There, there.' comforted her mother, lifting up her face and kissing it. "'It's not so far, but you can come back again. The same road comes that goes, dear one. There, there.' "'Miss Celia,' cried a reproachful voice from the door, "'is you going away, child, without telling your black mammy good-bye?' Celia unclasped her mother's arms, fell upon the bosom of her black mammy, and wept anew. "'De lord will be wit you, child," cooed the voice of the negress, musical with tenderness, "'and bring you back home safe and sound in his own time.'" The stage rolled up with clash and clatter and flap of curtain. It stopped at the gate. There ensued the rush of departure, the driver, after hoisting the baggage of his one passenger thereto, looking stolidly down on the heartbreak from the height of his perch his long whip poised in mid-air. Celia's friends swarmed about her. They kissed her. They essayed to comfort her. They thrust upon her gifts of fruit and flowers and dainties for her lunch. They bore her wraps out to the cumbersome vehicle which was to convey her to Lexington, the nearest town which at that time boasted of a railroad. They placed her comfortably, turning again and again to give her another kiss— and to bid her good-bye and godspeed. It was as if her heart-strings wrenched asunder at the jerk of the wheels that started the huge stage onward. "'Good-bye! Good-bye!' she cried out, her pale face at the window. "'Good-bye!' they answered, and Mansy Storm, running alongside, said to her, "'You give my love to Seth, Celia. Don't you forget!' then breathlessly as the stage moved faster if ever the good lord made a man a mighty little lower than the angels she added that man's seth the old stage rumbled along the broad white lexington pike past houses of other friends who stood at gates to wave her farewell it rumbled past little front yards abloom with flowers back of which white cottages blinked sleepily one eye of a shuttered window open, one shut, past big stone gates, which gave upon mansions of more grandeur, past smaller farms, until at length it drew up at the toll-gate. Here a girl with hair of sunshine, coming out, untied the poles and raised it slowly. "'You goin' away, Miss Celia?' she asked in her soft southern brogue, tuneful as the ripple of water, I HEAR SOMEBODY SAY YOU WAS going AWAY!" Celia smothered a sob. ''Yes,'' she answered, ''I AM going AWAY!'' ''It's a long, long way out there to the west,'' commented the girl wistfully as she counted out the change for the driver. ''A long, long way!'' As if the way had not seemed long enough. Celia sobbed outright. "'Yes,' she assented. "'It is a long, long way.' "'I'm sorry you're going, Miss Celia,' said the girl. "'Good-bye. Good luck to you.' And the stage moved on, Celia staring back at her with wide, sad eyes. The girl leaned forward, let the pole carefully down, and fastened it. As she did so, a ray of sunshine made a halo of her hair. Celia flung herself back into the dimness of the corner and wept out her heart. It seemed to her that with the letting down of that pole, she had been shut out of heaven. End of chapter 1 Recording by Roger Moline